Hello, friends. This is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Senio. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10 to 12 minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty, and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. And the DLF family of podcasts. That's James the Brain. Guys, I cannot wait for Thanksgiving. Oh, wait, we already did that, kind of, didn't we? No, not yet. We're going to be doing that, though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, messing with my head. It's way too early in the morning for the for the time jump back and forth. Uh, that's Travis the Beard. Hey, guys, why can't you hear a pterodactyl go to the bathroom? Because the P is silent. (laughs) Slightly dirty, slightly dirty. (laughs) I am John, the Grinch who ate nachos on Thanksgiving Hogue, and this is the Super Flex Super Show! Check out the Week 12 preview episode if you want to know what that's all about, by the way. But right now we are prepping for a short week in fantasy football with waivers running just over 24 hours before the snap of the first game of Week 12. Three games on Thanksgiving, two teams on bye, and one shot is solidifying your roster for Week 12 with the fantasy playoffs looming. It's super flex SOPs time. We've got ads, drops, buys, sells, and stashes. But let's start with This Week I Learned and Travis. This week I learned that The Indianapolis Colts most certainly do not care about the tight end touchdown record for Mr. Eric Ebron. I like that you clarified that, that it's uh, that they don't care about it for Ebron. I'm sure they would happily (laughs) get it for Doyle. Dude, how ridiculous is that, man? (laughs) Three touchdowns one week, zero catches the next week. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you're on the field less than 20% you of the time. be careful with your I'd, words. I'd like to beat my chest a little bit because on you the preview show, I did, your words. <laughs> I, I, I did say that Tennessee was really good against tight ends and that Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron were both benches. So um, nice. pat myself a little bit on the back there is all. Maybe I should start listening to you guys. <laughs> well, I, let's not no, go back. Why start now? <laughs> <laughs> You don't listen to us when you're actually on here, so why would you listen when you're not on here? All right. Yeah, it was clearly a joke. I'm not going to listen unless I have to. <laughs> uh, this week I learned that Kenny Galladay is matchup proof. He had 14 targets, eight catches for 113 yards and a touchdown on James Bradbury, who it, to me is one of the rising stars at the cornerback position in the NFL. Um, and it led to a conversation between Scott Fish and I, and uh, Scott just pointed out that it, the corner, the cornerback wide receiver matchup stops mattering when you're going to get that type of that type of target share. There was nobody else to throw to. 
Kenny Galladay was going to get fed, and it, it didn't matter what James Bradbury was able to do against him. He was just going to get fed. That's just all there is to it. And it just, that type of volume leads to production. This week I learned that the Jaguars know the recipe. Less Blake Bortles, more Leonard Fournette. Bortles only had 18 attempts, 10, 10 completions, and managed to go without any interceptions. Leonard Fournette, wow. meanwhile, had... Yeah, that's, almost, the, that's almost Lamar Jackson status. Yeah, yeah, pretty close, minus the 27 rush attempts. But <laughs> uh, but Leonard Fournette, meanwhile, 30 touches, 141 total yards, and the Jaguars nearly pulled off the upset over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And So, so does it qualify as knowing the recipe if they still lost? Is that recipe? Uh, well, the the bar has been set fairly low at this point. But <laughs> True. I, it, it, they they didn't just get completely railroaded. So um, yeah, it's there. There are moral victories from time to time in the NFL. Um, one last one for me. This week, I learned that rookie wide receivers are skipping over the two year learning curve. DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, Traquan Smith, Christian Kirk, and Kiki QT all led their teams in targets and receiving yards, and Sutton was the only one who didn't lead the team in catches. Yeah, that's pretty insane, man. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, the rookie wide receiver stepped up big time. At this point of the year, though, it's almost like they're, you know, super rookies or something, you know, because they're 12 <laughs> games into their career. So, um, yeah. All right. So, yeah, I'll, I'll get to what I learned this week. And what I learned is this season, there are have and have nots. And the have teams, uh, it, there's t- it's two huge extremes. If you're one of the have teams, if you're one of, the, you know, the Saints, the, the Chiefs, uh, the Rams, teams like that that are towards the top echelon of the NFL right now, you are just I, I, you are so far ahead of the rest of the of the team I, I or the rest of the league. I feel like the curve is so much more drastic this year than it is in years past. The, the teams that are at the bottom, those bottom feeding teams, the you know the Raiders, the the Cardinals, you know the the teams that are struggling right now. I mean, when you compare them to the teams that that I I, I just I feel like the gap this year between the good teams and the bad teams is huge compared to other years and I, I think it was never more evident than it was this past week uh, when you had a, an excellent Monday night game with two high-powered offenses going at it and the Chiefs and the Rams you, you you saw you know on display two great offenses two really good teams um, and then you you watch the Arizona Cardinals and the Oakland Raiders and you see two teams that are just I mean really struggling Arizona at home should have should have played much better in that game Josh Rosen really struggled uh that that there were several interceptions that should have been made on the defensive side that weren't and Derek Carr was arguing with John Gruden as he came off the field on third down pretty much all game and they still ended up winning (laughs) it it was just a winning effort yeah yeah I mean so much dissent there it just seems like you know this was the week that it really clarified itself the teams that are really good in this league this year are really really good and the teams that are are poor are really really poor this year. So, um, yeah, that's that's hey, something that I took away from this this week. Don't don't talk about 
John's rookie of the year like that, James. <laughs> it's good. I it's tell you good. what, I I love Josh Rosen too. <laughs> yeah, but man, that 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 was brutal to watch. But he's still uh, okay. Rookie of the year was <laughs> never going to happen. We can, <laughs> I, I can definitely admit that, especially in a year where Saquon Barkley exists, and even if if he didn't, Philip Lindsay exists. And now it's starting to look like DJ Moore and Traquan Smith could definitely be in that conversation as well if if the trend continues. But Josh Rosen isn't doing anything differently. I mean, he it, there are some bad throws definitely, but there are also some some really good decisions, some really precise throws, and and just above all else, what I still like is just the confidence that he exudes and he just he throws the ball into into some tight windows sometimes and completes them and it's it just it kind of goes unnoticed but I mean the reality is that's a throw that not many rookie quarterbacks are even going to attempt much less complete yeah I think his rookie year you can see that there's when he's on um he's he's completing those passes and when he's off like he was against Oakland I mean he's He's airmailing passes. He's he's overthrowing open receivers. It it's it's not good. So I think there needs to be some consistency there. But I think that comes with learning the position, learning the playbook. You know, knowing it inside and out, um, getting comfortable with your receivers, that sort of thing. So hopefully time will cure that. But uh, but man, that it, it was not pretty. Um, what you know this past week, that's for sure. Yeah, maybe get him a little help along the offensive line and and uh and some pass catchers with that first overall pick um yeah well let's move on to the superflex sops here the standard operating procedures for week 12 and we're going to start with some ads and drops so we're looking for three players to add all players at different positions with 33 percent ownership or less on yahoo um, so these are guys that uh, that you can prioritize on uh, on waivers this week with waivers running here uh, in most leagues early tomorrow morning. So, uh, and let's start with Travis as always. All right. So my first ad this week is Colt McCoy. He is a quarterback for the Washington Redskins, and he is currently zero percent owned. And this one's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, gruesome injury for Alex Smith this week. And Colt McCoy is the starter for the next six weeks, or so we assume at this point. And in Superflex, that means something. So that's pretty much it for Colt McCoy. My next ad is running back Gus Edwards for the Baltimore Ravens. And we don't know at this point if this was a true benching and you know a changing of the guard in the Baltimore backfield. We don't know, but... Gus Edwards looked great last week, and at a minimum, he should be involved in the offense moving forward, and the Ravens have the best running back strength of schedule for the rest of the season. And on top of that, we add in the Lamar Jackson factor, and Gus Edwards should have some easy running ahead of him for the rest of the year uh, if he maintains a decent workload there. My last add is Traquan Smith. This one's a no-brainer. Everybody saw that game that he had this week, 10 catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown. And that was in a game where the Saints beat the pants off the Eagles by 41 points. 
13 targets is probably not going to happen again this season, but it's going to be hard for the Saints to justify moving him back to that three to five target range that he was in before. So I think Traquan Smith, uh, he's 25% owned, and he's he's clearly a priority add this week. He should be usable at least moving forward. And for my drops, first up I've got Mike Davis, 44% owned. He saw 15 touches two weeks ago, six touches this last week. He's playing clearly behind both Chris Carson and Rashad Penny at this point, so now he's two injuries away from even sniffing our lineups, so I don't think there's any point in holding on to Mike Davis right now. My next drop is Michael freaking Crabtree. I, I, I don't understand, guys, how he is still 72% owned. It's mind-boggling to me. He's wide receiver 47 right now on the season, and his last three games, 6.1, 6.2, and 1.7 PPR points. He's been useless all season long, and now the Baltimore pass catchers have to deal with Lamar Jackson 19 pass attempts per game. <laughs> like It's not going to get any better, and Michael Crabtree is still 72% owned after I mean, he's just been garbage. I don't understand it. He's had like one good game. My last drop is Kyle Rudolph. He is seven. He's 77% owned. So this is probably, arguably, the most controversial one because the tight end position is a mess. But Kyle Rudolph is tight end 13 on the season, which you look at that and you're like, oh, that's not bad. But he only has two total touchdowns on the year. He only has 49 targets on the year. And he hasn't scored over eight PPR points in the last five weeks. They're just not using him. So you're, I think it's hurting you even more by keeping him and throwing him out in your lineup than, it, than just dropping him and trying to go streaming somewhere else because he is not getting it done. I love that. So uh, the great Paul Charchian always talks about the sabotage drop. That's kind of what Kyle Rudolph also could be. I mean, yeah, there, exactly. There, there's a there's an opportunity here to not only get the dead weight off of your own roster, but you know that it's it's a big enough name that somebody wastes a waiver priority, or even better, a, you know, a good chunk of fab to pick him up and and he becomes their problem. So all all of those are are good, and uh, that's that one's definitely my favorite um the ads you kind of you beat us to the to the show sheet here so you got the the to me these are the the three top priorities you know mccoy edwards and and traquan sorry guys (laughs) it's it's all good man we were we i'm not sorry i jumped on here on purpose yeah well you were (laughs) you're getting antsy i mean you haven't you haven't done this in a week now we've been man dicks yeah, yeah, gotta scratch the these, itch. I put these ads in here three weeks ago. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, I'll give you a few here. Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco, they're both 18% owned in Yahoo. It's probably a little more than that in Superflex, but the the combination of the two probably belong on the same roster as part of the deal here. And part of it is that just as a team the Ravens passing attack just has an unbelievable schedule to finish the season whoever the quarterback is going to be is uh is going to have plus matchups the rest of the way I I don't I don't believe that they want Lamar Jackson to be the guy they don't want to start that era just yet and it he looked decent 
I mean, there was definitely not a whole lot of passing and maybe a little too much rushing, and that's not something that you that you want to see either because that's not really sustainable. Meanwhile, Joe Flacco's hip injury, um, it, it looked, it, at first it sounded like it was going to keep him out for, you know, several weeks, maybe even the remainder of the season. Um, but then as the week went on, he got closer and closer to actually playing before they act, before they finally ruled him out. So Joe Flacco could be back sooner rather than later. And um, if you've got Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco is out there, I think that you want to have both guys so that you're prepared for a quarterback switch. And it could happen multiple times. We could see roughly what's going on in Tampa Bay. We could see more of that with the Ravens. At running back, Elijah McGuire, 14% owned. And this is just, this, this is my new... This is my new Aaron Jones. This is my new Josh Adams. Elijah McGuire is my is my new hand check guy. He's my new uh, get the hands on the table because otherwise it's 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 going to get dirty around here because Elijah McGuire is just so explosive. He's clearly the best running back on the New York Jets offense. He might is be he the an, Sorry, is he an electric playmaker, you think? Uh, I, I can't quite go that far. That one's <laughs> reserved for one man and one man only, but, <laughs> uh, but he, Elijah McGuire could definitely be an explosive playmaker. Maybe that's different enough that he could have that one. He's, he, to me, he's the best player on that entire offense. That's not saying a lot, but Elijah McGuire looks like to me, one of those guys who, who's going to be a league winner. Um, as he gets more and more work uh, down the stretch and in the fantasy playoffs. And then at wide receiver, I've got Josh Doxson. And this one's speculative, big time. 14% owned, though. And Colt, I, it, I don't know for sure who Colt McCoy is is going to lock in on. You know, Josh Doxson is a very... Uh, a very enticing target for a backup quarterback coming in because you know he's he's kind of the the jump ball guy he's a 50 50 guy and uh it just feels a little bit safer to uh to throw into a little bit of coverage when you've got josh docks in there so it's it that's just going to be my speculation here is that josh docks is the preferred target um although the you know trey quinn and mo harris are both guys who uh who could definitely fill that role just as easily um, but we'll talk about at least one of them uh, coming up here pretty soon. And then guys that you can drop to make room for him. Jimmy Graham, 91% owned. He's got a broken thumb uh, that was, I, I mean, it takes four to six weeks for recovery time. They're already talking about him getting back on the field. But, I I mean, I could see him, you know, padding up the the hand and going out and blocking. But I mean, how's he going to catch a football with a broken thumb? You know, it's it's not even one of the one of the middle fingers that you can tape to the other one or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. this is this is an integral part of the of a human body, especially for somebody who gets paid 
to use his hands by catching a football. So yeah. to, me, to me, Jimmy Graham is kind of in the same vein as, as Kyle Rudolph. I mean, the, the usage wasn't great anyways. But now that he can't catch, now that he's one a one-handed pass catcher, now would be a great time to drop him and let somebody else deal with him. Deshaun Jackson is droppable, 85%. And this is just because, I mean, now we're back to Jameis Winston as the quarterback. He doesn't target Deshaun Jackson. He doesn't really target Mike Evans. He doesn't target Chris Godwin. He loves Adam Humphreys and Cameron Brait, and it's so bizarre. But that's where we're at with the Bucks. And one last one for you is Randall Cobb, 39% owned. Um, so it's it's not nearly as much, but that should be zero at this point in redraft leagues. Randall Cobb went on injured reserve, and, I mean, he hasn't been worth stashing. He's he had one good game in I believe week two, and since then I mean you haven't gotten anything out of him even when he's on the field. So that that might as well be zero percent, and he's almost droppable in dynasty leagues. I'd say. Nice, John. Yeah, I, I like all those. And let's let's be honest with Jimmy Graham. He was struggling to catch the ball when his hand was healthy. So uh, yeah, now <laughs> now that you got a thumb injury there, man, that's that's. That's game over for me. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll get to my ads and drops right quick here. Um, my first ad is Kalen Balazs, the running back for the Miami Dolphins, and he's been on there before. And the reason being is because, look, Kenyon Drake, um, his usage before the, the Dolphins' buy was suspect. He didn't get his first carry till the second half. He ended up with seven total touches. Frank Gore outtouched him, um, and Frank Gore wasn't very efficient. I think he had 20 carries, and he had under 80 yards rushing. So, um he, he wasn't great on his touches either. Um, it's getting to the point where, I mean, Miami is running out of playmakers at the receiver position, and that's what made this team so good early in the year was the speed that they had there. Kalen Blodge has that speed. Kalen Blodge is an excellent receiving back. It's time to start thinking about using him in the slot a little bit more if you're the Miami Dolphins. So I expect his usage to go up, and with that, I expect uh, his targets and his fantasy points to go up. So I'm I, I'm adding him now. Uh, another guy I'm going to add is a guy that you mentioned, uh, wide receiver Trey Quinn for the Washington Redskins. Um, look, he he finally got his his opportunity last week, and he, he did well. He led the, the Redskins in receiving, so he did okay. But really, this has more to do about Colt McCoy. Look, these guys were on the second team together. These are the guys that were working together, getting the practice reps together when they were getting those reps. So I think there's some chemistry between Trey Quinn and Colt McCoy, and I don't downplay that, especially – when you're talking about a slot receiver, um, I think that chemistry and knowing where that guy's going to be and when he's going to cut and that sort of thing, it's going to be really important. That's a guy that Colt McCoy can lean on early um, in the in these first few games here to to try to get you know till he gets uh, comfortable with the rest of those receiving options there. So Trey Quinn's a guy I would add, and the third guy I'm going with is wide receiver Marcel Aitman for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, look, Aitman, same, you know, he, he got his opportunity for Oakland this past week. Um, he didn't disappoint. He led that team in receiving. And basically what it was with Marcel Aitman was, look, they, they're running out of healthy bodies. I mean, Brandon LaFell got hurt in that game. It looks like he's going to miss probably the rest of the year. Uh, you know, and then, uh, Jordy Nelson is out. Um, Seth Roberts, you know, has been banged up here and there. And really, I mean, even if Seth Roberts plays, it's those two guys, Marcel Aitman, Seth Roberts, and, 
I, 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 you're just running out of receiving options there in Oakland. Someone's going to catch the ball outside of Jared Cook, and I would bet that it's going to be Marcel Aitman more times than not. So um, there's a guy that I'm looking to add this week, too, for depth. As far as my drops go, I'm going to start with Buck Allen. And look, uh, <laughs> Travis touched on it. I, that, that, Gus, that Gus Edwards thing, I, I'm not sure what to make of it. Um, but he definitely took that opportunity and he ran with it. I mean, he, he, he did really well this game, this uh, past week, um, with the opportunity that he was given running the ball. But, uh, you know, Alex Collins was still involved. Buck Allen, really, his role was that passing game back. But I don't know that as the third back in that rotation, that's going to be enough usage for you to even keep him on there or for him to be fantasy relevant, especially in that AFC North. The weather's starting to turn now. You're starting to see some bad weather games. This is not really where you want a pass-catching specialist back on your team that's third on his depth chart. So um, I, I think Buck Allen's droppable. And Nelson Aguilar is another guy, and I know, Travis, you've been on dropping Nelson Aguilar for weeks now. I was stubborn. I held him. There were some owners that were stubborn and held him too. Um, he did have a decent week a couple weeks ago, but, man, I mean, he's just so far down the pecking order right now. Zach Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey, Golden Tate, those guys are all getting fed in front of Nelson Aguilar, um, and that, that uh, Philadelphia passing offense just isn't good enough to sustain four uh, four fantasy options, and Nelson Aguilar is the fourth. So um, it's time to cut bait with him. You can add somebody off the waiver wire that will get you more than what he would. All right, well, then let's move on to buys and sells for the week. And these are players who are going to be owned in 60% of Yahoo leagues, meaning they're, it's very unlikely that they're going to be available to you in waivers. The only way to get to them is, is in trades. With trade deadlines coming up, um, this is kind of the last chance to go get these guys. And uh, also some players that you can sell as well. Um, they've got a little too much value to just drop drop them outright but uh, guys that you can get off your roster and uh, sell high on and let's start with James yeah so I'll start with my buys my first buy is going to be Gerald Everett uh, tight end for the LA Rams and look I kind of speculated that Gerald Everett might be the beneficiary of uh, of the Cooper Cup injury, he, he, you know, he might see his targets go up. And early on in the Monday night game, that was not the case. His first target, he gained seven yards and a touchdown. And that was uh, on Monday night football against, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and look, that was a high-scoring game. But he followed that up with a 40-yard reception for another touchdown. Um, so his usage, while, while it wasn't super high, he wasn't targeted an awful lot. I think later in the game is when those touchdowns came, and I think that's when the Rams really kind of saw, hey, look, we can use both these tight ends here to fill the loss of Cooper Cup. We got two big-body guys who are good at running routes that can make those tough contested catches, and that's kind of what, what we used Cup for. So I think that's uh, seeing that was uh, was um, encouraging for me for uh, as, as a, uh, a Gerald Everett owner. So if there's a guy I'm buying at a tight end position that's, like I said, just, just, brutal i mean that tight end position has been brutal this year um i i I would look at a guy like gerald everett my next 
My next guy is Larry Fitzgerald. And, and look, really, this comes down to usage, and it comes down to schedule. Um, for the fantasy playoffs, normally that starts week 13. Well, week 13, the Arizona Cardinals play the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers are terrible against wide receiver ones. So that's that looks good for Larry Fitzgerald. And Arizona, that game script, they're probably going to have to pass a lot to stay in that game. Uh, the next game, they are at home against the Detroit Lions. That looks like another game where the, the Arizona Cardinals are probably going to have to throw the ball a lot to kind of keep up in that game. While Detroit is pretty good against the passing game, um, they're not great against uh, uh, wide receiver ones from the NFC uh, West. So um, it's an interesting trend to watch. The next week they play the Arizona Car- or the Atlanta Falcons. Rather, they're terrible against the pass and the run. That defense has been bad, and that secondary has been banged up. In Week 16, your championship week. The Arizona Cardinals are going up at home against the L.A. Rams. Another game script where it looks like they're going to be passing all game. Um, so I, I just think Larry Fitzgerald is going to get a lot of volume. And I think off that volume is going to come some decent fantasy production. Even if it's garbage time points, uh, they, they still count. So Larry Fitzgerald is a guy that I'm buying for that reason. Um, as far as the guys I'm selling, I'm selling Allen Robinson. Look, he has been up and down most of the year. Guys like Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel are starting to come into their own. You're starting to see them get targeted more. Trey Burton is still a part of this offense, especially in the red zone. And Adam Shaheen is starting to come back, and you're starting to see him targeted a little bit too. It just all equals that Allen Robinson, even though he is the wide receiver one on this team, there really isn't a true wide receiver one, not a guy who's going to get targeted above and beyond the rest of those guys. So Allen Robinson is a guy that I am selling, especially if he can have a good game this next week. I am selling him off of a nice performance, hopefully getting what I can for him because I don't think he's going to be valuable moving forward in this offense, uh, at least not valued as a wide receiver one like he should be. And then Peyton Barber's my next guy. And look, Tampa Bay's a mess. I mean, defensively, they can't stop anyone. Um, They just gave up, what, 38 points to the Giants uh, at home. I mean, defensively, they're they're a mess. They can't stop anybody. Offensively, they can't decide on a quarterback. They flip-flop every game. They're benching someone and bringing someone back in, whether it's Winston for Winston for, uh, Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick for Winston. Um, It doesn't seem to matter. They they can't figure out the quarterback position. Um, If a team has a full week to game plan for one of those starters, it just it's not going to work out. And it affects Peyton Barber. I mean, you know, when you're playing catch up the entire game or you feel like you have to score every drive, you're not running the ball as much, especially late in the game. And the the game script just isn't there for Peyton Barber. So I'm selling him now, Um, even though he might vulture a touchdown or two later in the year, it's going to be hard to uh, to predict when those are going to come. You're going to get some dud performances in there. And I, I just I'm not interested in that. I would sell him now. That's the only one here that I have an issue with is Peyton Barber. And it's it's it it makes sense. I mean, like you said, they're they're also their defense is terrible as well, which kind of game scripts the the running backs right out. But with Jameis Winston at quarterback, Peyton Barber averages nine point three five fantasy points per game. He uh, it drops to five point four one when Jameis Winston is out. So I mean, either way, it's not great. You know, it the, his best case scenario, Peyton Barber projects as the running back number twenty seven overall, which is you know kind of a mid to high level flex. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's look real quick too, John. Just just so you're aware, one mm-hmm. one of the other reasons here, his playoff schedule. He's got Carolina. Uh, who does he have? He has Carolina, Baltimore, Ooh. and 
Dallas. Oh, um, so three <laughs> okay. really good running defenses coming up here uh, in the playoffs too. So yeah, okay, no, that's fair. That's that's pretty compelling right there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's brutal for him moving forward. Unfortunately, yeah, he is. Uh, so my my point is just that he's one of the few players who actually benefits from having Jameis Winston at quarterback. But yeah, even then, I don't know when you're going to feel comfortable starting him against those defenses. So. So I'm with you there. So now let's get some buys and sells from Travis. All right. So my first buy is LaShawn McCoy. And it sounds gross because it's been gross. He's had such a crappy year, though, that he should be pretty cheap to acquire despite coming off of a 100-yard, two-touchdown game. Uh, And LaShawn McCoy has the fourth-best running back strength of schedule for the rest of the year. So I think that he is a great buy that you can get fairly cheap for some solid running back depth uh, for those teams headed into the playoffs. And he's got upside for more than that if he can continue to get the workload like he did uh, in his last game. The next guy I'm buying is Dak Prescott. And I know Dak Prescott had a pretty disappointing game in a spot where he was supposed to perform well at home against Atlanta this last week. But he has looked a lot better recently. He's looked like a starting NFL quarterback again these last few weeks. And Dak Prescott has the second best quarterback strength of schedule for the rest of the season, including Indianapolis in week 15 and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the fantasy championships in week 16. So in Superflex, I love the idea of buying Dak Prescott pretty low. Um, I only have two buys this week. My sell this week is Adrian Peterson. And Adrian Peterson is coming off of a big game in which he scored two touchdowns. So that should help your case in selling Adrian Peterson, despite losing his quarterback this week, which will hurt the case a little bit. Um, And that's a large reason why I'm saying we should sell AP. Without those two touchdowns, AP finishes with 5.1 PPR points this last week. Now, obviously, it's not fair to just take those two touchdowns away from him. And Adrian Peterson is absolutely going to get those goal line cracks moving forward. But we've seen all season long that he is easily game scripted out of games. And now we add in the fact that the Redskins could start trailing in a lot more games with Colt McCoy under center. And you add in the fact that Washington has the third worst running back strength of schedule moving forward. And I think that Adrian Peterson becomes a screaming sell before the trade deadline here, in my opinion. All right. I am buying Dalvin Cook. And uh, I know I, I, I know from firsthand experience as a Dalvin Cook owner in many leagues, that whoever has Dalvin Cook in your league right now is on the freaking edge with him after nine carries for 12 yards against the Bears this past week. Keep in mind, of course, that that's a very, very good... The It's the number three defense against running backs. Meanwhile, this, this schedule lightens up quite a bit. He's got middle-of-the-road run defenses the next three weeks, before two great matchups in the fantasy semis and championships against uh, against Miami and Detroit, respectively. So this this is going to lighten up quite a bit. Um, you know what he was able to do or not able to do against the Bears is not indicative of what's going to happen going forward. That's just that's a very good run defense. It's a defense we we said it last week on the the preview show. 
that the only real way for Dalvin Cook to get anything done against the Bears was going to be through the air, and he wasn't able to do that. We had him as a bust alert, and sure enough, he he busted big time. Um, but that's it's that's not going to be the trend going forward. That's that's an abnormality. I'm also buying AJ Green. Uh, he almost played in Week 11, so the foot seems to be mostly healed. It's a nice schedule without any true shutdown corners. Weeks 12 through 16, Denzel Ward twice. That's you know that's that's difficult. That's not horrible. And then uh, Casey Hayward once, and that's that's as bad as it gets. And those are those are good, really good NFL cornerbacks, but they're not shutdown guys. AJ Green can get it done against those guys. I'm also buying DJ Moore. We talked about him a little bit at the top, but it's this is a near perfect schedule for him the rest of the season. And Devin Funchess is still drawing the tougher coverage um, because DJ Moore. I mean, to be totally honest, it's he's still a rookie and doesn't command the type of respect just yet. So take advantage now of the fact that he's still being game planned against as the wide receiver two in that Carolina offense, even though I don't I don't think that's the case anymore. And I'm selling Mike Evans. It's a deceptively tough schedule. Um, Jameis Winston is back at quarterback, which kills Evans' target share and overall production. Mike Evans, where I say it's a deceptively tough schedule, there, there are some bad overall defenses coming up. New Orleans is a great example of this. It's one of them. But they do have that shutdown corner. They've got Marshawn Lattimore, who Mike Evans has some history with him. Not only did Lattimore shut Mike Evans down last season, he got in Mike Evans' head to a point where Mike Evans lost his cool and ended up getting suspended uh, for, a, for a cheap shot um, from behind. So that's the type of matchup that Mike Evans has coming, on top of the fact that his quarterback just doesn't even want to throw to him. And I'm selling Kenny Galladay. <laughs> Part of that is sour grapes after what, I mean, he, he kind of humiliated me in front of all my friends this past week. <laughs> <laughs> so you're taking your ball and you're going home. I am. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm done with that crap. But uh, especially John, I he was matchup proof. He's, he's pretty much matchup proof. But <laughs> I, I'm, it, if I have to answer to Scott Fish for one of my calls, then you're you're done. You're off my roster. He he does have his final three matchups: Patrick Peterson, uh, Tre'Davious White, and Xavier Rhodes. He's matchup proof when he gets the type of volume that he just got. But if Marvin Jones comes back, there's kind of no reason to throw to Kenny Galladay when he's got Tre'Davious White following him around. You know, it, it, there's no reason to throw to him. When Xavier Rhodes is on him and Trey Waynes is trying to keep up with uh, with Marvin Jones, you know, so that's uh, that's kind of the angle there, I suppose. Um, I I think that you could probably sell Kenny Galladay for a lot right at the moment. That's the other thing. I think that his value is about as high as it could possibly get for the remainder of the season. Uh, Kenny Galladay is, I, I, man, I mean, you you bring up very, very valid arguments for selling him for this year, but man, I, I it's it's tough for me to sell him, but you're right. It, I mean, 
that those are those are some tough matchups. So yeah, I guess I would sell him. I love all three of your buys. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm on board, man. I'm I guess it's just gonna be a a boring <laughs> episode where we all agree on everything. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> man, yeah. They're they're dying to hear me and Travis go at each other, but uh, yeah, this this week it's all about efficiency and it's all about accuracy. And we've got both of those. So let's move on to our last segment. Next week, this week, these are guys that you can pick up on waivers. You don't even have to prioritize them this week. They're going to be waiver priorities next week or in the coming weeks. But right now, you can get them for virtually free and save yourself the fab when they become the high waiver priorities. And this is where we've been kicking by far the most ass, if I, ha- if I do say so myself all season long so let's start with james with some guys that you can stash this week yeah so i'm gonna start with cody kessler uh, quarterback for the jacksonville jaguars look it's come out that blake bortles isn't gonna get benched this week but one more bad week and you gotta think it's time to, to put him on the bench he hasn't been efficient he hasn't been good like you mentioned 10 for 18 um they they just don't trust him they don't trust him and eventually they're going to have to have Uh, you know, something from the quarterback position to help them win a game. They just couldn't get that late in that game against Pittsburgh, and and it was evident. So I think the writing's on the wall. Cody Kessler is going to be coming in very shortly. They've shown loyalty to Blake Bortles, um, but he just he has yet to really step up and and fill the role like he should. So I think Cody Kessler is going to get that call. I would grab him now so you don't have to spend a bunch of waiver wire money on him in super flex leagues if you want another starting quarterback. Um, the second guy I'm going to go with is Leonte Carew, and we talked about Miami a little bit when I mentioned Kaywin Balage. Look, they're they're an injury away from Leonte Carew being a number two wide receiver on that offense. I mean, it, it's uh, that that they're that decimated at the position. So right now, Leonte Carew is probably the number three there. I expect his uh, usage to go up and his target share to go up. I I've always been a, a high on his talent. He just hasn't seemed to be able to get on the field. Um, but I mean doesn't mean anything in Miami. I mean, Devontae Parker wasn't able to get on the field. He gets on the field his first game of the season, and he lit it up. So, I mean, I, I don't know that Miami can evaluate talent very well. I don't know that Adam Gase is uh, is very good at that. And so I think Leontae Carew getting an opportunity there could end up uh, breaking out. The last guy I got on this list, and I don't really know his ownership. I just threw him on here at the end. And that's Cameron Braid. And that has a lot to do with Jameis Winston starting O.J. Howard's ankle injury. It seems like the door is opening for Cameron Braid now. Um, now's the time that I would kind of get him. I think teams are going to be uh, – fantasy owners might be sleeping on him a little bit at the tight end position. Um, I might go get him and hope that his opportunity ends up uh, increasing with the, the Howard ankle injury and with, again, Jameis Winston, who really, really likes to go to Cameron Braid, at least did in previous seasons. Seasons, I think uh, that's a security blanket he can rely on again. Um, so Cameron Brate's another guy that I would add. What do you uh, What do you think about those, John? Yeah, love it. Uh, Cameron Brate, twenty one percent owned in Yahoo, which just tells me that I mean, we didn't get around to dropping him. <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's very possible that twenty one percent of fantasy fantasy leagues the Cameron Braid owner believed that Jameis Winston was going to get back in the lineup and that's kind of something that that you know we we talked a little bit about that last week the the possibility of that happening I didn't think that it was going to happen in one half of football but 
you know, the it, it felt like Jameis Winston was on his way back sooner rather than later. And some of these guys might have, or some of these fantasy players might have held on to him. Uh, just in, onto uh, Cameron Brait, just in case. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. either way, 20, 21% is pretty low uh, considering again him and adam humphreys that's that's pretty much what you want with Jameis winston and uh mm-hmm. that's i i think that that's the last quarterback switch i hope that that's the last quarterback switch for the bucks yeah yeah and and in 79 percent of weeks you can go grab him and he's going to cost you nothing but waiver wire money so yeah um you know that's 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 something i i would do i would do this week here yeah all right, I'll give you a couple here. Rex Burkhead is my first one. He he's out this week against the Jets, and then he's eligible to return from IR. He was designated to return. He's going to walk back into a role. I believe that. I mean, I think that James White is still the passing downs back. I think Sony Michelle is still your your lead back, your starter. But I think that Rex Burkhead starts off with you know splitting that that early down roll with Sony Michelle you know maybe every other drive maybe every third drive something like that um and from there I, I I think that he can work his way back up into a greater role anyways but you know with the injury history for Sony Michelle and you know the knee issues when he entered the league and then he suffers a pretty pretty bad looking injury uh, against the Bears a couple weeks ago, it's it, it all leads me to believe that there could be a much greater opportunity for Rex Burkhead. Definitely worth the stash. I don't, you know, he might not, he it might not be anything, it but it could also be a league winner type of guy. So uh, Rex Burkhead is my first one, and then Adam Shaheen is the other one. Uh, Trey Burton is definitely in the way, but. Adam Shaheen, to me, I I, I kind of think that Adam Shaheen is the guy that they really wanted to see, you know, in in that role, grow into that role, along with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. So Adam Shaheen is the second tight end right now for the Chicago Bears, and he he's just a freak athlete. He's huge, and he's so he's bigger than uh, than Trey Burton. He's probably a better blocker and he's right on par with him as far as speed route running and just overall catch a greater catch radius it to me he's a better weapon and i just kind of have a feeling that that's that's the guy that they want to see more of that's the guy that matt Nagy wants to to start using some more so those are uh those are two two guys that you can stash now um, before everybody catches on. And I think it's I worth like it's, it. Sorry, I think it's worth noting. I think Adam Shaheen is in the concussion protocol right now. Already? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he fell backwards off the bench and hit his head or what? Like <laughs> Yeah. Uh, man, he just So we might got not see much from him next week, yeah. Ugh. That's so gross. Okay. Which well. is why, which is why he's a next week this week. You pick him up there this week when nobody <laughs> wants him. And yeah. next week when he explodes, he's on your team. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I also completely disagree with Rex Burkhead. I think he's going to be on the bench and completely useless. 
really. Ooh, no I mean, love for flex, sexy Rexy, huh? They went from Kenyon Barnard being their early downs role, or their no, early didn't. downs back. <laughs> to, yeah, yeah, he did. They uh, never used him that way. It was Cordero Patterson. Well, eh, kind of, kind of. Kenyon Barner was definitely part of their of their game plan. And then as soon as Rex Burkhead is ready to come back, they cut Kenyon Barner. So it to me, that just that tells you all you need to know right there is that the coaching staff feels comfortable enough with Rex Burkhead to let a guy who had been getting significant reps both in practice and in in actual game situations just let him go outright to make room for Rex Burkhead. Yeah, I mean, I think they'd rather have Rex Burkhead on their team than Kenyon Barner. But I just, I think, it's mainly for me, it's, I think that they really, really want to give Sony Michelle 15, 20 carries a game. Yeah, I'm sure. And, I don't, and, just, and James White isn't going anywhere. So I don't know what's going to be left over for Rex Burkhead. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'd love that with Sony Michelle, but is is his are his knees going to allow that? Are they going to hold up that? And that's that's kind of the question. That's probably going to be the story of his career. But I mean, he's already yeah. been dealing with knee issues, and not just the degenerative ones that he brought with him from college. You know, he. I will. Yeah, I will give you that. If if Burkhead is back and Sony Michelle misses time again then then rex burkhead would definitely be be valuable so I'll, I'll concede that point a little bit there whoa okay that was easy <laughs> <laughs> but but if they're if they're both healthy i don't think he's going to be usable yeah um, that's fair all, all right, right my turn yeah yeah let's hear your uh next week this week stashes all right so my first one is deandre washington and i mean Nobody really wants anybody on the Oakland Raiders right now, but DeAndre Washington, he saw 12 rush attempts last week that led the team, and this Doug Martin situation is is crazy. He was benched at halftime this last week, and in true Raiders and John Gruden fashion, the situation is just weird, and it's a questionable as hell, and we don't really know what's going on. At first, John Gruden said he benched him because he wanted to see what Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington could do in the second half. Then he went back and said it was because of an ankle injury. And then he went and flip-flopped again and said it was because he wanted to get DeAndre Washington more work moving forward. So what the heck, man? We don't know what's going on there. But what we do know is that the backfield is in flux now. And DeAndre Washington led the team in attempts last week. And there's a chance that John Gruden just decides that he's going to be the guy and he gets the majority of the workload for the next few weeks. That is within the range of outcomes. So... I think DeAndre Washington, if you've got deep benches, is worth a stash. My next one is Kenneth Dixon, and I, I almost didn't put him on here because I, I'm not super um, – I, I don't love it, but he is eligible to return from IR, and we just talked about uh, picking up Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards had that big game. Uh, James, you talked about dropping Buck Allen, and I think that they're – you know, it's just another, again, it's another backfield that's just in flux, and we don't know how it's going to pan out. But Kenneth Dixon coming back throws another wrench into that situation, and he could end up coming through the other side as as the back to own there. So it's a long shot, I think, for this season. 
but they clearly aren't happy with Alex Collins and Buck Allen, and they're trying different stuff, and Kenneth Dixon could end up being that different stuff. Oh, I love that one so much. I have a hard time I I have a hard time trusting John Harbaugh in that backfield just in general, but I want it so bad to be Kenneth Dixon. It's yeah, just, you're you're a Kenneth Dixon truther. I am. Kenneth Dixon, Chris Carson, and now Elijah McGuire. And Aaron, Aaron <laughs> Jones has always been one of my guys too, but yeah. Elijah McGuire is the new one. Kenneth Dixon is the the old oldie old new one. Uh but yeah, we're, we're going to wrap up the SOPs right there. Before we go though real quick, Travis, we got to ask you because me and James are going to discuss this on the the uh preview episode coming up later today. But uh can you give us your your uh your favorite Thanksgiving food? And your least favorite Thanksgiving food? Oh, it's easy. Nice. I, th- I thought you were going to ask me something hard here. I panicked for a second. <laughs> put, put, put me on the spot. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me something about nachos. Um, <laughs> favorite favorite is hands down green bean casserole. And don't at me about it. It's amazing. <laughs> wow. Okay. And I could eat it by itself for every meal. It's fantastic. My least favorite by far is cranberry sauce. What is that garbage? Oh, interesting. Oh, oh. wait, the and it's in it, oh. like it. The worst is like when it's in a can shape <laughs> yeah. on a plate, and they slice it into yeah. like little can slices, like and they're still shaped like a the inside of a can. Like, dude, I, I it's so disgusting. I can't stand it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. is very very funny with the cranberry sauce take because um, <laughs> yeah that 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 came up uh, in the in the future we already talked about that in the nice yeah as uh, both of those we we talked uh, fairly extensively about both of those two items so um, don't get me started on green bean casserole man I could start a green bean casserole podcast oh man uh, we're gonna have a green bean casserole war I think. <laughs> <laughs> Placenta now, with a side. Now I'll of have to creamy. listen because one of you obviously hates green bean casserole. Correct. Mm-hmm. That is shame correct. On, yes. Shame on one you, of us. whoever that is. Shame, shame. Yeah, we'll yeah. just have to listen, and then uh, we'll have to we'll have to talk about that one next week. Right. You can you can just unload. But we're gonna wrap it up there for this episode. Now that we've got you all prepped for Week Twelve waivers, and as we do, as we wrap this one up. We're going to ask you for a quick favor to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and uh, if you haven't already, and if you have, um, if you would give us a rating and review if your platform allows it, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach and get out to new audience members and zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listeners. So it's very, very helpful. And while you're subscribing to this podcast, if you, you could also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, the Mega Feed, and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF, including the Superflex Super Show. And you can send us your trades on Twitter at Superflex Show. We can retweet them, help you get more votes and more comments, and, and we can even sometimes bring them right here on the podcast. We try and do that at, at least a couple times a month. You can follow Travis on Twitter. He's at TravisNFL. James is at underscore JamesTheBrain. And I'm at SuperFlexDude. And we love to hear from our listeners. And uh, you can also send us your trade polls 
uh, send them send them to co-host directly as well. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song "The Addiction" that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. In the coming hours, watch out for the uh, the second episode of the week, uh, the uh, the preview episode. We made sure to get that one out early uh, to help with lineup settings uh, going into the Thanksgiving Day games. Good luck in week 12. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Bye. Yeah,